to the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Holy smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle of Geeks on 2SER. Sounds of geese. It's been a while. Hello, Tali. Hello, Sophie. In the studio. In the studio. In the magic. In your fancy new studio. I know. FYI too. So fancy. I know. We're currently standing up. I know. Thanks to SER. Yes. We appreciate it. Um, this is Gaggle of Geeks, your pop culture uh, podcast uh, where we talk everything pop culture and geek culture. Mm-hmm. That said, we've, it's been a little while between gaggling. <laughs> It's become more of a monthly podcast at this rate. <laughs> the geese have been busy doing their fangs. It's then they fly home. <laughs> yeah. They much. roost for a bit and then they off they go back into the world. We'll try. We'll try. Yes. Make this a bit more frequent, we promise. But it is so glad to see you, Tali. And you too. It's so funny. You cannot see Sophie right now, but the dress that she is wearing perfectly matches her background. So it's like she's in camouflage in the studio. So if at any point Sophie doesn't the say something, she's just seeped into the background. That background is, mind you, the 2SER logo wall. <laughs> so, you know, woo. I blend in. <laughs> The camouflage is real. I'm it's so powerful. on brand. I'm so on brand. Yes, yes. But, but since we last spoke, Tali, so much has happened. I know. It's so weird because I'm pretty sure the last time we chatted was the excitement that Game of Thrones was about to start. Yeah. And I like to think back to that naive moment where I was so excited for this final we season. We were so pumped. We, we were, were just like, how will all our hopes and dreams fully come to fruition? There will never be greater TV ever done in the history of forever. And I have to say, Sophie, I am quite underwhelmed by this season. And it breaks my heart. I am so disappointed with this season. Like I come out just feeling just so angry. It's yes. is going, what have you done? Yeah. Why have you done this? Yeah. It's like, and I think that this is one of the problems that I think was always going to be a problem, but it's really just become this whole cluster now that you can actually see it on your TV, is the fact that George R. R. Martin hadn't finished the books yet. Mm-hmm. It was it built into the excitement of the TV watching. But in terms of plot right now, I feel that this season, it's just uh, this is where everyone ends up X point and then they're just kind of writing weird things to happen along the way so that the end point gets to where it is. But the problem is, is that you haven't had that developed character arc through everything else. So every time something happens, I feel like as a watcher, you get irrationally angry to be like, that's not true of that character. That's not what how that would have happened. Why are they doing this? This is stupid. This is not smart. And I feel like... I feel like my turning point was weirdly the battle with the White Walkers. Yeah. Like, because that was built up to be this epic, epic battle. Mm. But even as you were watching it, you were just like, they are some poor strategic decisions that would not have ever happened in any way, shape, and form. You guys are not being smart. And you just, it takes you away from the actual show because you're just so angry in being like, this is stupid. This is stupid. And this is the thing, like, with that battle in particular, you have all these people and generals who have been in how many wars? Like yes. you've got survivors of Blackwater. Yep. You have like 
all of Daenerys's people while yep. she was like, you they know, literally trained. Sh- like yep. they've trained yep. since birth. Yep. She has been in wars since yep. she was this about is like 15. grooming soldiers. So like, they should sh- know this in and out. They know strategy. John's had his own fair share of oh battles. Oh my god, the fact he's still alive is it's, like a miracle. But yes. well, hey, he did die yeah. at one yeah. stage. But, like, you brought know. back to life, still miracle, still yeah. a miracle indeed. And it's just like. You have all these people who do know warfare yeah. and he's like, what is this strategy? This is there was the- no, it's just so, so stupid. Like it annoyed me first that they were like, I know, we'll have like people rushing towards them and horses and like those trebuchet like cannons. Yeah. And it's like, no, have them further back. Like let them come to you, do the things like put dragon glass all over the castle, like have different plans. Like it was so lucky that but the was- red woman was there with her fire oh my because gosh. otherwise what was their plan? What was their plan? I don't know. Let's just have the Dothraki horde go first. And it's like, no, you do not want them to go first against an undead army. It's just like, think think it through. And then the fact also that kept coming up that that the safe hiding place was down in the crypts, like the Stark crypts. So everyone (laughs) knew that. And it's one of those things is that if they had gone – like they just went, wait, we're hiding where there are a lot of dead people from people who can bring back the dead. And they have like just about like, this is literally is 30 seconds of dialogue to be like, is it smart that our safe place is the crypt? And someone goes, no, but it's the safest place we've got. Then at least there's an awareness that what they're doing is like stupid, but it's the best of a bad situation. Mm. But for them to then be surprised when the dead start being raised, you're just like, idiots, you're all idiots. And, like, again, like, with the whole plot thing, like, when they went ahead of the books. Yeah. And I was, like, I think someone raised this um, on Twitter, but it was in a way that George R. R. Martin is one of those guys that yeah. when he writes, he writes as it goes in a bit. Yeah. But then he has the plot line in his head. Yeah. But then he writes, because he's, he's so character driven mm. that he sometimes writes his characters into a corner and he's like, whoop. Hmm, how do I get these guys out of this situation? Yeah. Which then takes them through a longer journey yes. to get to where they need Needed to be, be. Yeah. which makes sense. And it's not yeah. a terrible thing. It's just this is where the character's gone. Yeah. It needs to veer back to the main plot. Okay, it yeah. might take a little while yeah. to get there. But because he's given them the plot, they're just like ignoring all the yeah. little journey steps that all these characters yeah. need to take. And they're like, you know what? We're just going to make this all happen and just drive and just just for the plot because we need yeah. to finish this season. Well, We're going to finish it. We don't care. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. They don't care. They're yeah. just going doing the plot for the sake of the plot and it's yeah. like – we're going to show the downfall of Daenerys as the oh my God. as the Mad Queen, but it's like yeah. you literally did that in two episodes exactly. when we have been used to seeing this yep. unfold for about four seasons. Yep. And that's what was so upsetting about it, and that's what I meant with the character arc, is that you have to bring little bits of craziness into Daenerys so that when she decides, hey, I'm just going to torch all of King's Landing and burn everyone in there regardless of who they are, is that that has to build in the episodes before. So even when she's fighting off against the the Night King and the White Walkers have some dialogue where she's throwing back some craziness so people are starting to question it. Like, put that little seed of doubt in your mind so that when it happens, you're like, oh, my God, this all makes sense, as opposed to just doing a complete 180 and stupidness. Oh, and they're like, oh, but – 
and the people who were defending the show, like, you can, you can have your opinions. But it's like, they're like, oh, but it was foreshadowing. It was foreshadowing ages ago. It's foreshadowing yeah. in, from season one when she just watched her brother die and didn't do anything. And it's like, okay, that's foreshadowing. Yeah. It doesn't stop yeah. it from being bad character yeah. writing right now. Exactly. And yeah. the pacing is so off. Oh, my God. And it's, it's just like, like there's no time no. split at all. It's like they've literally gone, this is our budget, so our budget has to do with all our like special effects and dragons and stuff like that. So you kind of, with this season, I feel like you've got one action-packed episode where it's like, oh, we're blowing our budget on special effects, and then you've got kind of one dull, nothing happens episode. But the problem that happens is in the dull, nothing happens episodes, that's where you should be building more of these character developments, and it's not that at all. Mm. So it now gets to the point where you're just like, oh my God. And even with the last episode, like why didn't Daenerys just go straight to, like, Cersei's tower? Like, she's she's got a dragon. They've literally, like, she's wiped out anything that could kill the dragon. So go straight to Cersei. Mm. Like, why did you start from the perim- like parameters and work your way in? That made no sense. And there's also the inconsistency because, mm. like, the ep before that where they k- – okay, I'm really sorry that we didn't say this was a spoiler-heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Very spoiler-heavy um, discussion. But the ep before that when they killed her second dragon – Yeah. It was like, oh, my God, these dragons are fallible. They can be killed by these ballistas. Like, they yeah. are not invincible. So quickly. <laughs> and the, like, that dragon just died. Literally. And yeah. then next episode, it's like, actually, wait. They are <laughs> invincible because Drogon just decimated everyone yeah. it's in like, its path. It's like, we still need this one dragon. So this one dragon can, like, avoid arrows and do everything else. But the other, not so much. Not so he much. Was, he was yeah. He was injured. It's like... Even if he was injured, he was still bloody flying. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and yeah. then again, strategy. Where were the scouts? <gasps> just what is going Exactly. It just makes There's, no sense. There was so much weirdness. But I do look forward to next Monday being the last episode. Mm. Not just because it's over, but because, like, to see what will happen. And, like... Obviously, I is stuck with that white horse. I love, again, like, do you know the Childish Gambino, This Is America film clip where yeah. it's like the symbolism of a white horse and that means like the, you know, the oh, the horseman. Horseman of yeah, death. Yeah, horseman of death. Yeah. It's like the four horsemen. The white horse represents death and so yeah. then like uh, he gets on the horse and then she's like death and obviously she's going to go kill um, Daenerys. But it is just, again, where it's like, the importance of the symbolism that when it's done well, you just go, oh, I actually like that. And the fact that, you know, the mother and daughter who Mm. were quite like, it seems like they were the only civilians we cared about in King's Landing when all this was like hitting the fan. But like at one stage, the little daughter was actually carrying a little white horse toy that they were Mm -hmm. like, oh, that just like was a link to the horse at the end, that kind of stuff. That's where you go, oh, that's clever, the things that you could pick up. So it's just disappointing when other stuff is like, ugh. And they've gone real battle heavy with this season. And it's frustrating as well because throughout the whole series, this has never been let's just do bloody war scenes. Yes. They yeah. they would always save that for the very end. Yeah. And they would make it completely like brutal. Yeah. But you know, a lot of the stuff like people have been hanging on for these seven seasons was actually for the talking. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. the political machinations yeah. all around that was happening yeah. around and trying to piece together yeah. the strategy of who was plotting what, yeah. how that happened. Then when plot twists, this yeah. happens and then someone dies and you're like, hang on, didn't see that coming because yeah. that guy was planning that. Yeah. So it's that is what interests the, the audience. audience. Yeah. And not these really super long fight scenes. And it seems like, to go on for a very long time. Those without, super long yeah. fight scenes go for a long time. And we've seen them all. We live in an era of superhero movies. Exactly. Those we've seen all these battles. Yeah. And that was the other thing. Like the part, previous seasons, you felt something when 
yes. characters died. When characters died in this season, it's like, oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Oh, my God. There's just no emotional hit to yep. it at all. What about Cersei's death? How, like, a building I'm toppled so, on her. I love that like, Lena Hetty, who plays her, was so, like, she did not like that ending no, at all. And exactly. I think, oh, and she had people like, oh, that to, like, you know, go around. Like, she grew to like it in the end. I'm like, no, she's just saying that no. to save face because the producers are mad. Yeah. That she's but, openly admitted she did not like it. No, it's just not a fitting death. Like, there was someone was arguing that I was talking to about it because I was like, it's such an unfitting death because, like, she deserved to go out in like a blaze of glory. Like, if Jamie had come back and then stabbed her, I would have felt all right with that. Like, mm. he was already, as we found out, like, Euron was like, I've, I killed Jamie Lannister. So, like, he was already dying. Yeah. So, if, like, there was a part of me that if Jamie just killed her, there would have been some satisfaction slash this whole thing like would have kind of come a bit full circle. I know that that didn't happen, and but I just wanted something that was more like, oh, you got your comeuppance and you never expected it to happen, as opposed to a building fell on you. A building fell on you, and she is one of the best characters. He's, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you go through her journey. She was like – she. She was treated badly by Robert. Yeah. She had her brother, had like three secret her children with him. Joffrey and Joffrey was a pain. And like, then she had to raise bloody Joffrey. Mm. But also like all her children died. And yeah. it's like she's gone through a lot exactly. of crap. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, all right, we're going to have one of our best actors and we're just going to place her in a tower and just look gloomily the for end. 20 minutes. Yeah. And it was just like you've wasted her. Yeah. You've wasted her. Yeah. You, she should be. Oh, it was just so many things that they've but wasted. They could have done better. Although I did like the tweet that was going out that was like, Lena like earned a million dollars for an episode oh to God. drink wine and look out of a tower. Praise be to you, Queen. Praise be like, to you. That was literally – there it's, was a comedic moment, though, yeah. that I did like when the Hound was obviously trying to kill his brother. He was like a zombie. <laughs> and he's like – Clegane Bowl came. Yeah, and he's literally just stabbing him with a knife. And I just really, really like that. Just die! Just <laughs> We feel you, that buddy. Was, that was just a nice moment that I thought was just like, oh, we... they're really trying. And he's obviously very frustrated because, like, how do you kill someone who is dead and a zombie? You can't. You just kind of rugby tackle them outside a very big building and then fall to their death like, on fire. I feel like the best moments of that last episode just aired was honestly um, just him and Arya just yes. hanging together. And I'm like, yeah. these are the best moments. It's and they wouldn't even joy. do anything. They were just riding a bloody horse into a yeah, camp. And I'm exactly. like... You don't need to do much. Yeah. You really don't need to do much. It's not that hard. Did you see that there's a petition going around to, like, I think it's amassed, like, maybe like 30,000 or 300,000. To I redo say, season To redo eight. season eight. But you go, that number, regardless if it is 300,000, is quite minuscule compared to how many people around the world are watching it right now. Yeah. So They don't care Obviously, anymore. it's never going to happen no. or anything like that. But it just... Uh-huh. There are other people who are Yeah. I do happy. love the, um. I think it was on the red carpet. And one of the reporters asked them, like, how excited are you for this season? And, like, four of the actors just, like, grimaced. And it was just like, ooh. Yeah, Amelia Clark kind of gave this, like, no, like, does not like it. And I was like, oh, yes. Honestly, it is about three seasons being crammed into one. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's not very often that I say make something longer. (laughs) It's all about the less cut. Less is more. This one I'm like, no, more is less here. Exactly. You (laughs) need to, like. It's, it is a justice to the characters and it's a justice to the storyline that everyone has been watching this whole time mm. to just quickly just go to the end 
It's like, bye. We're done. We're going to move yeah. on to better things. Yeah. Bye. We've yeah. done this for 10 years. We're bored. Yeah. It like, is like literally the like art school equivalent where you spend a whole lot of time trying to draw someone's face and then you're like shading it and doing it perfectly. And then you're just like, oh, run out of time. So then you just do like stick figure legs and arms. I just Have you seen like, that meme happened. going around of the horse? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally that where it's like so it's detailed, like, detailed. Yeah. yeah, so season one to four, super, super, like, photographic horse. Yeah. And then you get to the middle and it's like, oh, it's Starts getting a bit more go. simplistic. Yeah. But it comes to the end, the face is just a child's drawing. Because that's how everyone feels right now. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, it's so true. It's so true. Uh, it's so, because I was so mad at this week's episode. Do you know yeah. what I did? What did you do? I saved Drag Race. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. From Friday. I didn't watch it, so I could watch it after Game of Thrones so I'd feel better. <laughs> that actually makes sense. And, like, luckily enough, the, like, the last episode of Drag Race is one of the best of the season, I think, which doesn't actually say much for the season. Just really? in terms of, like, a full episode. Right. Like, obviously, the lip sync between Evie and Brooklyn Heights was the most phenomenal, the thing. most amazing moment. But I have largely been very underwhelmed with each episode of this season where I'm just like, oh, bored, oh, bored. Whereas I actually felt in the last episode that I'm like, I'm actually here for all this drama. I don't know why. And maybe it's just because I thought that Silky's time was up. And so I was just very excitedly being (laughs) Mm. like, it's over for you. But, oh, yeah. It's It's an interesting one. Um, Like, I feel that we've been, there's been too much drag race lately and we need a little break to remind ourselves how great it can be. Exactly. I think that that is the problem because it's literally gone, like, season 10, no, it went all-stars, season 10, all-stars. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think you maybe had one, two weeks in between it, which is not enough time. And so then what happens, and this is what I think, like, I'm so underwhelmed with this season, is because it felt like there was so much more talent on the past two seasons where someone who came like fifth or sixth in the last two seasons could have easily won this season just in terms of their talent and mm. so you just and like, I was oh. I was excited for this season because there were two Asian queens yes yeah. and one of them was Viet and when she came out speaking Viet I was like ah! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yes yeah. it was it's just I don't know I think it's also too that the queens now, because the show is so popular and yep. it is like you can see like the Emmy nominations every year, like they're getting like it is a big thing that everyone watches. Well, not everyone, but more people watch Drag Race mm. is that I think the queens are now more aware of this. So before they would go into like challenges and just go into the show being kind of their authentic selves. So it's like, well, I am a bitchy queen or I am a comedy queen. This is who I am. Mm. Whereas now I feel like it's more of an awareness to go, this is my brand. So I need to have a catchphrase I need to do this I need to like walk away with this from this show regardless of how long I'm there for that people will remember me by something and that kind of whole curated orchestrated like performance it loses the true magic that is drag queen Mm. which is just a yes this feels like real people as opposed to these are people who want to build a brand or have a tour afterwards also this season it feels like just it's trauma oh my god Rue's just making them relive their trauma over and over again I'm like Rue just give it a rest like I know like like you know emotion hits hard with the audience but it's just constant it's like being battered with it right now yeah it's like is anyone happy anymore it's so crazy but speaking of RuPaul's Drag Race there was a funny moment when I was watching the Met Gala because the theme was camp Mm. and how terrible everyone was at the Met Gala who didn't understand what camp was I was like 
go talk to a drag queen. <laughs> Even like RuPaul on the red carpet, he said that people didn't understand camp. No. But then I was quite underwhelmed by what he was wearing as well. So I was just like, He what wore what he on? wore because he thought camp, everyone would turn up in drag. Oh. But he was like, you know, camp, it's that kind of people look at you weird because it's yep. out of the norm in yep. that way, which is why he was his bell bottoms oh, were like way off. So and he's the, play- yeah, he okay. actually played into the more specific, like yep. the theme to itself as to what it was defined back in the day. Ah, oh, okay, cool. Hence so why more- it was, that's why his outfit was so gauche because that's yep. what it was. Yep. <laughs> See, this was the thing is like I was underwhelmed by what he was wearing. I was like Zendaya wore a costume. I was very upset by that because it was a beautiful I loved, costume. But this is the thing. But it wasn't. Like, I yeah. love Zendaya. And but anyone who turns up at the Met Gala in a costume, like Katy Perry in the chandelier costume, it's like I'm just I'm not there for it. Rihanna wasn't there, so I was like, this is dead to me. I know, but the it's, she it is semi costume like, though. To me. The Met Gala, but it's like that felt like she was literally Cinderella. Yeah, it wasn't out of the norm costume yeah. that and, you would expect at Met Gala. And Claire Danes has done a light up dress before in that kind of Cinderella esque mm. thing. So it just, I don't know, it just didn't feel new. And then I was very upset by it. Also, what are with all the men rocking up in black tuxes? Oh my God. Like, well, why are you even here? Masculinity be so fragile. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm camp because I'm wearing a safety pin. Oh my God. I did love that. Richard Madden. Like, no. 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 Do better. Do better. Do so much better. Yeah. I mean, at least Jared Leto rocked up with his own head. I know. That was see, and this is the thing, it's like the bar was so low for the men, and like a lot of them just really didn't get anywhere near it. No. Others were like good like good, great, but mm. it was just it was a weird thing. I feel like Harry Styles was like his first outing into like little baby campness and with his little sheer blouse, like Aww. with his like little pussy bow. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, yeah. you're getting there. You're probably more in thing than most of the guys yeah. here, but well this is the thing is like Harry Styles has like been very much into the florals and the like the big overstated blouses because they are like more of a silk satin blousey kind of thing. Mm. So I got his look and I was like, oh yeah, that's a version of what you normally do. Yeah. But it's a bit more elevated. But then like every time you've walked out wearing that, people have said that you're camp. So maybe it's like this weird critique on this. Yeah. But it was funny this week watching the Eurovision red carpet. Oh and I was like, gosh. that is camp. That should have been the red carpet. <laughs> that right there. Like Eurovision, that's the thing. Is like if you were unsure of what camp is or yeah. means, just go watch Eurovision. Go watch Eurovision or sort go to about, a drag to exactly. a drag show. Yeah, yeah. Educate yourself rather than just be like, oh, this is what it is. It's like a dress. Like Miley Cyrus, she was just literally wearing like a green and black kind of mini mm. dress that was nothing. And I would have expected more from her. Totally. Considering that, and she then everyone's like, oh my god, the um the Genesis has finally did it proper, and it's like, yeah. did they? Yeah. They just they just wasn't feathers. Feathers do not equate camp. I did actually like all the comparisons because they were in orange and purple. So there was like so many different things. So like went white chicks where they went on the yeah. runway with the like the swans also in orange and purple. Amazing. So there was a lot Very of things going around. Yes, exactly. So I was just like, oh my God, guys, come on. But quickly speaking of Eurovision, yeah. Kate Miller-Heike. In the final for this weekend. Yes. yes. I am excited for her. I don't think she's going to win. No. This is the thing is I think she's too good 
<laughs> I think, like, do you know what I mean? Like, she it was the same with Dami, yeah, because she got top three, and everyone's like, yeah. "Surely this is like the perfect Eurovision yeah. song." And at the same time, we're like, "She's way too good." Yeah, I feel like if Kate Miller Heike wasn't from Australia, i.e., an invited country into Eurovision, and she was in like some small, like I don't know, Latvian country esque <laughs> kind of thing, and tiny turned up Eastern European t- country, super tiny Eastern European country, turns up and does that performance, she wins mm. because people are like, "I didn't." Expect that and look at her talent, mm. but I feel like she's too good to be our entry because people are like, she ticks all the boxes. It's that operatic, da 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 da, like her going on that pole, which is oh kind God. of freaking crazy. It's insane and it looks. Like- <laughs> I know. I, I watched. Um, her How do you sing while you're literally swinging on a single well, standing pole? I think that she forgets sometimes that she's got a handheld mic because she does sing, and you can see like her hands because she does like the free, like you uh-huh. know, the free winged bird thing. And while the pole is literally like it's a pendulum going from one side to the other, kind of thing. And so there were moments in the performance that I watched where she like tried to do the free and then her like obvious mic is on her, in her outstretched hand. So she's like, oh, come back in. And luckily like she's got such a good voice so it just makes that yeah. like transition seem all right. Mm. But yeah, I think she's too good to win. I mean, she's taking the theme defying gravity to a whole new oh level. Oh my goodness. It is insane though. Mm. My fear is that, yeah, you'd have to be pretty strapped in. And then my fear is like you'd, bend too much into it and then you just kind of like keep going yeah like a bag like a bad pogos yeah Yeah, it's not smart not smart at all I mean it's an interesting like I was so mad when Israel won last year oh my god because that performance I was like are you kidding me this is just appropriation upon appropriation who knows what the hell is going on here yeah and it it was just awful yeah and this is the thing about Eurovision it's crazy but it's like a, it exists in its own bubble. So mm-hmm. even though, like, if that kind of performance that Israel did last year was in somewhere else, like, like say it was a performance at the Grammys, would have got read for days. Like, this would have been this great catastrophic performance mm-hmm. that everyone's kind of talking about. But the fact that it happens at Eurovision, people are like, eh, <laughs> well, well, cool, old. okay, yeah, we'll let this one slide. But still letting the win. But it's also like the politics of Eurovision. Oh as my well. god! But it's like, like how like Ukraine and Russia never yeah. vote for each other and stuff like that. It's, it's like really the, interesting. Yeah. The geopolitics of Eurovision oh. is worth it. Oh, just for totally. It's, it's just like yeah. oh, it's like it'll be interesting to see who does go for Russia this year or if yeah, they've been oh blacklisted my- again. <laughs> Oh, we wait and we see this oh. weekend. This weekend. Yeah, I used to remember Eurovision being so more uplifting, though. Because it like, was. It was just like all the songs were like, everyone come together. It was very much like mm. Miss America, the answer is ultimately world peace. So everyone would come together with a song that ultimately said, hey, I love you and you love me and we should all get along, hands across the ocean kind of I stuff. Know. Now it's just, I feel like... Again, it's be- it's like very RuPaul. Like it's becoming more popular, more people care about it, and mm. then it's transforming into what it thinks people want, as opposed to what it's always been and people like. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird. <sighs> shall we end on a good note then? Yes, we shall. Yes, we shall. I'm sorry, I'm not JJ Abrams. They say, "Ah, oh, Tiger, we wish we called you JJ Abrams." Oh boy. 
We haven't had him on for a while. We love him so, so much. That is the dulcet tones of Mr. Taika Waititi. Of course. And we're about to see a whole lot more of him. So, a trailer was released, or was it a trailer? <laughs> it was an Instagram post. <laughs> I got so excited because I was like, let's go find the trailer. And it was not anywhere. I was like, oh, you win again, Taika Waititi. You mm. win again. Right. Um, so, Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. It's happening. It has a release date. October 18. Okay. October 18. I mean, that is soon. That is not very far away. No. I absolutely love, like, the batshitness of this plot, essentially. And like, if you haven't heard it, it is about a little boy growing up in Nazi Germany who makes up an imaginary friend um, who is, in his mind, Hitler. But this Hitler is played by Taika Waititi. <laughs> The hilarity. And the mum played by Scarlett Johansson is this little kid discovered that his mum is harbouring a little girl up in the closet. <laughs> so the little boy is having this, I don't know, crisis of faith of a, like, what do I do in terms of the nationalism of what's going on? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like he's also a member of Hitler Youth. Yep. So then obviously like what they're teaching the young kids in Hitler Youth versus the kid that they've got stowed up in the basement, like what is he supposed to do? And then he has his own imaginary brown Hitler in his mind. <laughs> Um, while oh, and Rebel Wilson is in yeah, it as well. She's one of the, I think, the Hitler Youth like trainer like, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it sounds so crazy yet so amazingly funny. Like I think that that and that's what I think like Tyka does so well. Like that mm. is peak Tyka, where it's the irreverence of something that you know not everyone can take a character like Hitler play Hitler and like. Do it well, mm. but do it also like justice. It's a very weird take well, on what's going on. He was like, I did absolutely zero research on Hitler because Hitler is a see you next Tuesday. Yeah. And it's just, that's fair. I that's just like- fair. So it's his complete take on this wacky. And I mean, it makes sense though, because this is what this child has imagined. Yeah. Hitler to be. Exactly. He doesn't know what the real Hitler's like. Yeah. So, so there is that thing. Yeah, I saw like his Instagram post, which I really enjoyed. It's obviously like a news tweet where it's talking about Tyka, but it says to play Hitler in Jojo Rabbit, Taika Waititi did zero research because the guy is a effing C word. <laughs> and then Taika's tweet is just like, to be clear, Hitler is a <laughs> not the guy who did zero research not because me. the how that that forms is literally like Tyke is a fucking C word for not doing any research about Hitler. But I like that is again the essence and the beauty that is Taika Waititi. Like oh, everything totally. that he does, it's just like, wait a second, I'm going to pull you up, but it's still going to be funny. And then, yes, I mean, I cannot wait. October 18, a month before my natural heart thinks it is. So this will be good. I'll be surprised come October to be like, yes. It's going to be great. But he's also in another movie called Free City that just started production. Yes, with Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Yeah. And from my understanding, it's like loosely based on a video game, but then they become free and it's like that. Yeah, so it is a bank teller discovers he's a background character in an open world video game called Free City that will soon go offline. So I guess that means they have to try and get online before they all die. Is it kind of like Wreck-It Ralph? Maybe. But like an adult version of? Oh, probably. Anyhow, but as you said, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Joe Keery of Stranger Things fame and his amazing hair. Oh my God, yes. I don't know how that kid does it, but he's got amazing hair. I know, his diffuser must just be really working for him. But also the incredible 
BAFTA award winning Jodie Comer from Killing Eve. I love her so much. Her in Killing Eve is like the best, like, character actor put them to do that because it's like, like the, Sandra Oh is amazing and then you oh add God. Jodie Comer. But this is the thing is like you need an amazing actor to be with like to play with Sandra O oh because anything less than amazing it's like you don't care about it mm. and the whole TV show the whole premise is that relationship between Eve and Villanelle so it has to, they have to work together and they do and you just find yourself in moments going oh I feel so sorry for Villanelle and then you're like Talia, you literally just watched her like gut someone alive. How do you, how are you feeling she's like that? She's a psychopath. That? She's a psychopath. She is a psychopath. <laughs> but she's also like so funny and it's she's quite comedic so and it's so funny. dry. There's moments where it's like, oh, she says all the things that you wish you could say, but she just then doesn't. <laughs> I guess it's the joy of being a psychopath. Um, but I was chatting with one of my colleagues and he was saying she has a, a Brian Cranston level about her where – you don't see her facial expression change, but you can see the character flip Something in her happened. eyes yeah. as she flips from a new character to a new character that yeah. she's playing uh, yeah. when she's being one of the like her villanelle personas, and it's just like, holy crap, you're was, right. That is so true. It was the episode of this season where mm. Eve essentially hires villanelle because they want her to infiltrate some like you know crime ring and whatnot. Mm. And Villanelle's having this conversation where it's like, oh, wh- who do you want me to play? And she runs through all these different accents, which is very it's, – it's Oh, my God, like she a, does an Australian accent and I, I died at that because it wasn't great. Well, this is the thing, though. It's like even though the accent wasn't great, the different characters that she was, even though she said like maybe what, five lines, not even that, like three lines mm. of dialogue, is like she built a whole character in that very small moment. And then that's what, like as you were saying with that flip, the next person, the next person – is it was very in quick succession. It's like, do you want this one? Do you want this one? Do you want this one? And for everyone, I bought every single person of it. Like, she is a master of accents. And also when you consider, like, her, like, Villanelle talking accent is not her natural. You just can forget. She's from Liverpool. Exactly. When she talks in normal, like, in her interviews, you're just like... That's Holy like, crap! Yeah, is that you? Yeah. Like I've heard people think she's American. Everyone oh thinks God. she's like a natural, like she's an actual Russian. It's like, yeah. no, no, exactly. she's a pom. Exactly, it's like she she's a is. Liverpoolian pom, <laughs> which so, is a very distinct accent in yeah. itself. Yeah. Well, and so this is like kind of my hope is that she is the like master of accents. So maybe in Free Guy, she will also put on like all the accents, all the accents, all the time, live oh. that life forever. Yeah, she's mm. amazing. We love her. We love her. We love Taika. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about Ryan Reynolds. I used to really love him. Now You're I'm not like, going to go see Detective Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> I do not think I will. Let's be honest, Sophie. Let's be honest. Are you planning on going? Yeah, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going this afternoon, actually. Oh my god, the dedication! <laughs> you will have to review it next week. Oh, be like, yeah, Detective Pikachu. We'll see how we go. <laughs> Living your best life. Totally. I mean, it is what it is, right? It is Deadpool in Pikachu form, but less sweary and less violent. Same, same. It's just, yeah. I, it's like, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like Pokemon, like I hit peak Pokemon. Mm. And now I'm just like, I feel like this movie's come out too late. <laughs> like, Or just right enough. <laughs> it's just like, and we're back in it. Off we go. Don't Everyone, go Pokemon Go apps re-downloaded. <laughs> Still, got to catch them all. You mm. haven't caught them all. We're no. going to keep going until you catch them all. The end. The end. 
Well then, shall we leave it on that note? Yes. Yes, the end note. The end note. That is Pokemon. Well, next time when we see each other, Tali, Game of Thrones will be over. Oh my God. Crazy. Mm. We can finally end. It's it's over. The suffering. (laughs) And then we will just rewrite it. (laughs) And then someone will give us billions of dollars so we can remake it how it was supposed to be made. You'll be welcome. <laughs> so, so, so welcome. Um, but what are you looking forward to? Just in life. Just in life, coming up, new releases. Um, well, I recently, funnily enough, on the Game of Thrones theme is because I've had to pay for Star for these episodes <laughs> so I could watch it because I, I was like, don't do it illegally because I feel like they're really going to be down on it. Um, so while I had Star, I discovered this show. It's kind of... Great and terrible at the same time. Do Not terrible, tell. it's great. It's called Single Parents. It's got Leighton Meester and it's literally like these five single parents as they are yeah. who are raising these seven-year-olds and it's how like the relationships of how they lean on each other. It's very much a comedy in every way, shape, sense and form. Mm. But it's really, really funny and normally ch- ch- like child actors annoy me because I feel like they overact, whereas these ones do not. Like... um. Brad Garrett is that everyone loves Raymond, Raymond. the brother. Yep. Yeah. He plays this like 50-year-old dad whose like wife who was a like a 20-year-old stripper dies. <laughs> but he's got these two twin girls who are these like feminist crazy like they're so great. They, I actually find myself laughing out loud all the time. And this week they did find out that it was renewed for a second season. Like oh, the cute. first season was just so great that I'm like a uh, I'm not a single parent. I don't care about this, but in terms of like escapism television, I was like this is really good. It's really funny. These two little girls though, they are amazing and as characters they are like next level. They have this like joking one thing is that they're constantly fixing cars, even though they're seven. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like their treat to like change the oil. It's <laughs> all this thing. And then one time they're like, they're all ba- being babysat by one of the parents and they're in their room and then like the parent closes the door and then they've got like, great, we're going to sure shank our way out of this. And they lift up <laughs> this poster and they've got this like gravel rock and there's this huge hole and they're like going for it. And you're just like, oh my God, this is actually really smart writing. It's funny. And uh, yeah, mm. so I'm, I'm currently excited that it has been renewed for a second season because I think it's got good things going on for it. Speaking of season renewals, what is the tea with Constance Wu? Oh, <laughs> so fresh off the boat, yeah. got renewed for another season. Yeah, and her response was very negative, <laughs> going dislike all this stuff, blah blah blah. Internet reacts going, yeah. you're so ungrateful, yeah. la, 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 la. And she was like, no, I'm just really upset because I had to um, I had to give up a, another project that I was really invested in yeah. and it was like going to be a passion project, it was going to be amazing and now I have to yeah. give it up. It's. I think it's one of, like, there is a refreshingness to it, it because is. so many people are like, this is so great and even though you're like, oh, my life is over and I'm going to have no time and I have to give up all this other stuff, yeah. it is nice to be like, well, that is her you know, honest reaction. But at the it same time, that, it's, it's like, like, surely no. you've been in the game long enough not to do, do it on yeah, social media. You call up your girlfriends and you vent. <laughs> you bitch about it. And then like to the public facing, you're like, this is great. This is all my dreams come true. It's what we've all been working towards. <laughs> death, 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 death. Like keep pouring the wine out. This is, I need to work It was out. just like, whoa, you haven't, this is the thing in Asia's social media, you don't see that. Yeah, exactly. Very often. Yeah. Or ever. Yeah, and that's like like going like full circle into Back to the Drag Race. It is that performance and that idea of the brand that you're constantly super aware of how you're projecting yourself so you don't put a foot out of line. Mm. And there is a certain boringness to it because – 
it's like you get to the point where they're like, oh, do we even need to interview them because we already know what they're going to say. And oh, it's going to be the exact same thing that the, the other guys yeah, exactly. in the ass previous it's interview. It's like I could literally just record their grabs of what they're going to say right now. And then as an audience person, you're just like, oh, I already know what's going on. So when you like, when someone spices it up, as much as you're just like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that, you're also like, thank you for bringing the drama back. Do you remember, um, I think it was a BBC Three presenter. He'd never done interviews before and they sent him out to do a press junket with Mila Kunis and he had no clue what he was doing. He didn't know research. So he just ended up talking to her about beer and his favourite football team and she was loving it. Like she was having an absolute ball and they would, she was like, yeah, I'll come to you, to your football, <laughs> see your football game with you. Actually, wait, when? No, I'm filming there. Maybe not. But they were just having like yeah. the greatest time and then like her page and was like, you got to wrap up. She's like, no, I'm having fun. Is, Let me keep talking. actually a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was really sweet and funny and it went viral. This was yeah. like a few years ago. And then they sent him to do the same thing with Jennifer Aniston and she was not having a bar of it at all. I think you would really have to pick your talent there. And you really do. Yeah. (laughs) Because, like, Mila Kunis is, like, known very much that she likes to have fun in interviews and she'll know when something is boring and stuff like that. I love the ones where she goes to Russia because she can speak Russian. Oh, my God. Where she was telling them off for, like, dissing Justin Timberlake. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> and so, like, of course, she's the perfect person to do an off-the-cuff, let's just have a conversation YOLO because she would take that as being refreshing. But then you've got people yeah. who I see would be Jennifer Aniston who's like, no, all my answers are very comfortable. I know what you're going to ask me. I know what I'm going to say back. This is, like, fine. Yeah. So anything, like, less than that would be her going, no. I mean, literally, um, when the agent was like, oh, whoever the press publicity person was like, yeah, you need to wrap it up, plus you need to talk about the movie. She just yeah. went, okay, this is Spiel. Literally did her two-liner that she had rehearsed. And was like, okay, what were you saying again? <laughs> literally. <laughs> Oh, my God. Just threw it on its head and that is yeah. such refreshing stuff. But yeah, exactly. Very few people can get away with yeah. it and I think she's one of them. And yeah. Possibly Constance Wu because she also <laughs> likes to use the, the F-bomb a lot. So you never know. It makes her relatable and of the people. Of the that people. unpredictability. She's of the people. She's not a crazy rich Asian after all. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know why I've gone German. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 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 Shall we end there? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm Sophie Lai. I'm Talia Olatea. This has been Gaggle of Geese. You can catch all our podcasts, mainly from all of last year, yeah. <laughs> um, on all good podcasting platforms. Just look up 2SER's Gaggle of Geeks. Uh-huh. And we shall chat to you next time. Yes. Who knows when that be? Hopefully sooner than Hopefully, late. yeah, exactly. It is really hard coordinating when we're in different cities. I know. Logistically. It's, it's difficult. It is. Mm. But mm. we're going to try. We're going to try. We're going to do it. And Blake has two children, which is why it's very hard trying to organise him. <laughs> I know. I can barely organise myself. And I know. I'm like, oh, he has... He has two small beings that rely like, on him. Yeah. Dependence. How crazy. <laughs> we'll figure out a system. Exactly. Anyhow. Till then. Bye. Bye.